Enterprising in my surroundings I'm finding the quietest estates these days This representation of storm brewing Amazed that the focus remains The vocal focal point of my change Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast I'm your host, Matt Shedham And this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there Who are working hard to get better while balancing running the rest of their lives. Short intro today. So excited to have Tanya Lurch back on the podcast. Tanya was on episode 262. We did the full profile of her today. We're doing a little bit different. All right, Tanya and I both ran CIM first weekend in December. That's the California International Marathon. And we had very different experiences going into the race from a training perspective. And then our races were very different. And now our recoveries are very different. And we're going to really focus on recovery here because so many people have run marathons. And oftentimes it can be perceived that just like, you know, there's like a cookie cutter approach to how recovery is and how someone should feel after a race. And that is certainly not the case. It is so individualized. And that is exactly what we're going to highlight here today is that the individual nature of what marathon recovery can be for a wide variety of people, and that we should embrace this because, again, your race day journey is more than just that when it comes to recovery. You're recovering from your training cycle as well and a variety of other factors. So that's exactly what this episode is all about, and Tanya is just such a fun and energetic person to talk to. I love talking to Tanya. She's become a good friend of mine ever since she was on the podcast uh, over a year ago, and I couldn't think of anyone better to have this conversation with. So let's get into it with Tanya Lurch. All right, Tanya Lurch is back on the show. Tanya, thanks for coming back. Thank you so much for having me. It's so good to see you. This is so much fun. All right, so as I mentioned in the intro, everyone heard Tanya was on episode 262. You should go check that out. We talk all things Tanya Lurch, the normal feature story that we have here on the podcast. So that was fun, really enjoyable. Since then, you and I have just become friends. So this is like the best experience ever for me on the pod. Like I get to talk to somebody interesting and then we just become genuinely good friends. And it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we got to see each other recently over at CIM. I know that was amazing. And I was so looking forward to today. I feel like I'm just catching up with someone and I love when races overlap with people that I know from a distance. So that was amazing. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I remember we, we, we met because you shot me and Allie in like co-DM, which is fun. Like I think it was the first one I'd ever gotten, like a group DM. And you're like, hey, I have a really like interesting, like it was like a, it was like a question or like a topic. Like, hey, you should try this out. I'm like, I don't know who Tanya Lurch is. And then like I asked you a couple of questions. I was like, oh my God, she'd be great for the podcast. Forget this, dude. Let's just get her on. Um, but I can't wait to get you on. Today, so this is just going to be a conversation about recovery from marathons and how they can differ wildly from person to person. And it has nothing to do necessarily with your fitness level, your speed. There are so many factors that come into this. To put this in perspective, we're going to talk about basically our co-recoveries from CIM. Let's put that we'll dive into what your race was like in a second. To put it in perspective, I ran a 419. And I say ran in quotes because I basically ran walked the last six miles. Tanya PR'd with a 305, kicking butt, just went out there and hammered. Of course, this race, again, again, some people PR and they feel wonderful. You worked for that. You worked for that sucker. Yeah, it was rough. And it was, you know, I hit my my eagle was sub three and my beagle was to PR. My PR going in was 308.59. And 
My sea goal was just to have a happy and healthy race. The last marathon I did was also CIM from 2018 um, when my first child was one. And so now my second child was one and it felt like a good time to do it. And I felt a lot fitter going in. I know my training had been better, um, but as you saw pictures on Instagram, um, I tore myself up, my feet, everything. So it was rough out there. And, uh, you know, I, I remember going in being like, if I don't break through, I'm going to be super disappointed. And I wasn't, I was so thrilled to have PR because I don't remember who said it. There's a saying that's like, you never know when a PR is going to be a lifetime best. Ooh, and that's a good one. You, you can't take that for granted. That's the fastest I've ever been at that distance. So I, you know, I came off of it and, um, I just, I was, I hit my B and my seagull PR and had just such a great weekend with friends like yourself. So, I was on a mental high, but my body was in a rough spot right after. Yeah, your friend took an interesting video that you shared on your on your Instagram of, of you like shaking after the race. It looks like someone who like is walking through the Arctic and someone stole their parka. It's, it's like the it's how you looked at the moment. Yeah, it was well. I mean, I did. I made a couple mistakes, um, and not my first time at the rodeo, uh, my ninth marathon, but. I made this game time decision. So I, uh, I have custom orthotics and they're kind of clunky, but I wear them all the time. And I made this decision just literally the night before I'm like, you know what? I'm going to not wear them because I want to be as light as possible on my feet, thinking that that would be the edge I would need. Right. So I, um, I like racing the longer distances in the alpha fly and I don't run in socks and I have not run in socks for 15 years. A lot of people think it's weird. Oh my. Yeah. It's, a, and <laughs> oh my. I know. And I, I, I've not run in socks for a long time. So my feet are definitely used to that, but I haven't run in the alpha flies without my orthotics barefoot. And I have heard after the fact that they're really narrow at the arch, right? And I didn't realize because I always had my, my customs in. So I didn't wear them and I just had the regular sock liner in and I ran barefoot and like eight or nine miles in, I'm like feeling this hot spot in my inner arches and it's just getting worse and worse. And I think that might've contributed a little bit. I was kind of, I must've been running more on the outsides of my feet to avoid the pressure. But when I finished, uh, I looked down and both feet were just covered in blood. And I had, I mean, both arches were just like the size of a silver dollar, just a huge blood blister on both sides. Um, And I, once I realized that I took my shoes off and I'm walking barefoot back to the Hyatt. And while I'm holding them, I was just shaking. And I, I still don't know why, because I took all my nutrition in and I actually felt very good aerobically but I could not stop shaking. And when we got back in, the first thing I did was get into a hot bath. And of course my feet go in, which are torn up and bloody. Oh God. So I screamed and so oh, God. sitting in the tub with my feet dangling over the edge, like holding a beer and eating a burger that I ordered from room service. And then my two other friends who were in our room, um, they came in a little few minutes later. What is happening in the bathroom right now? <laughs> just, What's a more hey. athletic feat, running a 305 marathon or doing whatever that was in the bathtub? <laughs> it was awful. I'm like trying to FaceTime with my husband. He's like, where are you right now? Like my feet are hanging out. I have no idea. So yeah, something something went awry. But um, so that was dumb because I, ha- you know, don't do something you haven't trained in. So I blame myself for that fully. Uh, yeah. So that that was the aftermath of the feet. So I couldn't I couldn't walk for two days. I had to take a personal day the next day. And then I had to wear, you know, some pretty ridiculous bandages for a couple of days until they healed. 
See, this is like going back to like your dancing days, like you're just torn up feet, man. Like you're, this is like you must have like had like some PTSD from some uh, some some teenager um, feet moments. You know, they've been through a lot. Um, if I ever get pedicures, I tell them not to take the calluses off because that really, you know, once you do that, then you can't, you get more blisters. So um, that was, that was kind of the biggest thing. And then my quads also, I don't know if you experienced this and this was my third time doing CIM and I just, I don't know, my quads felt like they were really locking up towards the end. And again, it could be because I was running on in a different gate because of the blisters that were forming. Um, but my, my quads really took, oh, that was probably the longest thing to recover within a, within a few days I was able to walk. The blisters had kind of solidified and healed and I was okay to walk around, uh, mentally didn't really want to run again, but I, I don't know. I had a lot of quad locking issues for a while at the end. So yeah, it was, it was a harder marathon than I expected going in considering I had trained better than I had for any previous one. Yeah, let's talk about the training, right? Because we're talking about recovering from the race. Obviously, the race plays a huge part in it, but that's not the only aspect of it, right? Part of this is the training, especially in the next, it could be like in the six weeks leading up to it, right? Because you're recovering not simply from the race itself, but also from the, the entire cycle, especially if you're coming into this and not having run a marathon in a while, right? Some people can stack marathon cycles where maybe the recovery time isn't super aggressive because they just you're used to doing it but you as you mentioned before like this was one year after you gave birth and you hadn't done a race in a couple of years so talk to us about the cycle leading into it because we know that plays a part in the recovery so my daughter was born in february 2020 and as we know covid came shortly after world shut down so i spent a really slow progression just even building up to 30 minutes of jogging comfortably really took my time with that and then in October of 2020, uh, started meeting some of my teammates and friends at the track again and kind of building back speed. So I really spent all of fall 2020, spring 2021, building up speed, uh, ran some PRs in the 5K, in the mile, in the 10K, and just kind of doing speed. I was running about 40 to 50 miles a week. Uh, I think my long runs were consistently 12, 13 miles all the way up until August, 2021. So we're now like three to four months out. And there was a large group of my training partners here. We're all doing CIM. So we started building up together. And what I did is my, even though it wasn't a PR, my most successful marathon in my head was CIM 2018, because I went in with zero expectations. I trained myself and I did, I, it was the first time I really was listening to my body. I was doing speed work on Tuesdays tempo runs, like longer runs with tempo miles in them. And, and I started strength training and I had this great marathon in 2018 at CIM. So what I did is I went back and I was doing the same workouts, but I had more volume around that. So I was doing Tuesday track with a bunch of my friends. So we're doing faster stuff. And, you know, at first it was 16400s and then kind of building up to uh, some of the more typical marathon workouts um the two that i really like that give me confidence and kind of gave me confidence in my sub 3 goal we're doing the uh 10 to 12 800s like the rosarios and so we're doing those 257 258 um then there's another great workout where you're alternating an 800 at your goal marathon time so let's say 258 and then you repeat it you go right into another 800 
but about 25 seconds slower and you alternate and you never stop for a total of four miles. So it ends up being four fast 800s and four moderate 800s. So kind of alternating, let's say like 550 pace to 640 pace. So you're not really recovering, but it's continuous. And I so felt- it's kind of like 5k to half marathon, 5k to half marathon. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. And you just don't stop. And, you know, we're doing these on Tuesday mornings, in the dark before, before work. And then I kind of do like a 30 to 40 minute shake out very slow with the jogging stroller when I got home from work. So those were my double days. Um, either Thursday or Saturday, I would do a tempo. If it was on Saturday in my long run, it would be longer. And if it was on Thursday, it would be, you know, something like 30 minutes, uh, short break, 15 minutes tempo, something like that. My, I usually, I do a lot of running from where I work, which is at a school that's, it's very hilly near me. So a lot of rolling hills, a lot of even has hill in the name, you know, you're, you know what you're in for. It's exactly it. The fur, when you leave campus, it's a one mile uphill, uh, not steep, but it's, you know, like that's how you warm up. So my first mile is always like nine to nine thirty pace because it's just uphill. And then you, you're warm from there. So I was doing a lot of these tempos and then um, I did a lot more long runs this time than I had before. Usually I only do kind of like maybe two that are 20 plus and maybe two that are 18. This time we did, because I, again, I was training with other people. We did a, quite a few. Uh, I think our longest was 23, but there were, there were quite, I would say like maybe six to eight that were from 18 to 23 miles and a bunch of them had tempo work. The biggest one, we had one that was three times 30 minutes at goal pace. And then we did a monster one that was 16 miles at goal pace. And that day happened to be super hot and windy and just dry. And I felt great. So I had a, you know, I I got my volume up to, I think I peaked at 72 miles. Most of the weeks from September and October, November were at least 60 miles going all the way up to 70. I was taking a cutback week every few weeks. I did a tune-up half marathon that did not go well. Time, I mean, I felt fine. It just was not the time I was hoping for. And then uh, did a 5K and a 10K in September and October just for practice racing. Same thing. I was disappointed in my times, but felt good and just kind of was going with it. So it was definitely the most consistent. I was strength training three times a week, about 30 minutes each. And I, I didn't, I didn't miss any key workouts. I, I felt like I was recovering really well. So I went into it really confident and feeling really fit, which I haven't always felt at other marathons. Sometimes you go in and you're like, kind of like you did. You're like, we're just gonna see what happens and hold on. Till the <laughs> right. End. But right. I knew I there was, like, a, there was a lot of, a lot of variants coming in mind, a lot of potential variants. Um, yeah, well, that thank you for that. That that really sets the stage and really paints the picture for this cycle was really intense, right? Like you came into it coming, you know, through childbirth, and then all of a sudden you're doing the most of everything. You're doing the most miles that you've done. You're doing the most long runs you've done. You're doing the most intense long runs you've ever done. Heading into a marathon that you then set a PR on a challenging course. I know CIM, people are going to start saying, well, CIM's downhill. Yeah, it's downhill. And I said this now, this is going to be the fifth time I've said this in the podcast. So if you've heard it all five times, please bear with me. But if you go on Strava and check out my data file or Tanya's or anyone else from CIM, the gap pace is faster than your actual pace. Why? Because the uphills are more significant than the downhills are helping. So it ends up being a course that is challenging and there are plenty of uphills in that course. So you mentioned your quads all, all told 
these three or four months were super demanding on you. And it, it's, it's no wonder, and we'll get into how you felt during your recovery, but it's no wonder, especially coming off of the, you know, having, you know, being pregnant and having childbirth. So you weren't stacking marathon cycles on marathon cycles here. It's not necessarily a surprise that, you know, you weren't out there like crushing workouts two weeks after the marathon. Now, people who don't know my marathon journey, it is the exact opposite of everything Tanya said, except for the fact that I went to it equally as, um, not, I won't say unprepared, but I didn't give I didn't, I'd give, I'd give birth to a child, but I certainly had very little training coming into it. Um, and then so I basically started off in June after three months of having bursitis issues and then started, started building up quickly, sprained my ankle on a trail run, didn't run consistently for a month. You know, hit, did a lot of bike work, which was fun, but wasn't running. And I was someone who needed to be on. I needed to run, right? CrossFit. I mean, cross training wasn't going to be the number one thing for me. Got back into it in September, built up really quickly again. And then in the last six weeks, kind of stacked some some quality long runs. But really, I didn't have any long runs where when I hit mile 12, I felt good. None of them, except for the Richmond Half Marathon, which went really well, uh, comparatively speaking. But even when I and so I never hit twenty. I never even hit eighteen. I think my longest run was seventeen. Oh wow! So it was, it was it was either seventeen or eighteen, but it was like it was a death march on that one too. It was like it did. The last couple finals were not great. So I was coming into the race, and like wow, like here I am. I'm so excited to be back at the marathon. I'm proud of how I built up in the last three months. So like I wasn't. I had no regrets over what I did in the last three months. But I knew that I was because I was starting from so far behind. It was basically couch to marathon in all in, in all actuality. That I'm sitting there like, all right, like if I was running a half today at CIM, I'd feel really confident because I was like, I've done enough to to, to to run a half well, and I do feel fit, but I wasn't strong. That is what I remember telling you guys at dinner. We, we me, you, me, and some members of your of the James Racing team. We all had we all had dinner. And I remember telling you, like, I'm just not strong. I don't have the strength in my legs to carry me for these hours. I don't even like so like for me, the issue was like, there is no such thing as marathon pace right now. It's just like what race, what pace can I finish at? And did you have it? You didn't even have you, there was no need for a taper either because you kind of were building into this almost was like another long run. To you. It kind of was, yeah. So like the week before, I think I'd like, I think on the schedule we had like 13 miles, like the weekend before, with like some, with like some tempo in there. So it was like it really wasn't much of a taper besides like the last five days. Um, so coming to the race, and I felt great. So first 16 miles, feeling good, running around on average. 8:20 pace to 8:30 pace most of the most of the way touching like 8:10s a couple times remember like ran up on Amelia Benton who was doing a marathon workout and she's like she just broke 8:30 at at Houston and she looked at me she laughed she's like I I heard your preview you should not be right next to me right now like I know what you're supposed to be running and I was like oh my god she's right so like ultimately at mile 17 my legs were like this is what we're not prepared for and it all came crashing down. It was all kind of a house of cars from a marathon fitness perspective. And the strength that I knew wasn't there proved exactly right. So the last 10K or so, it was, you know, a shuffling kind of run walkie type scenario. So unlike you who were working your tail off and running super hard and really pushing it and obviously with your with the, the foot thing and maybe even stressing areas of your legs that, that weren't quite ready for it, 
I was basically run walking the last 10K. So I went from from like at mile 17, looking like I was going to come in around 345, knowing full well that I wasn't. I knew that I was I knew that the rubber was going to hit the rubber was going to hit the road at some point coming in at 419 because I'm walking it. So let's flip to the last page here. Ultimately, my recovery wasn't a recovery at all because this was really no different than most of my long runs because I really only ran like 18 or 19 miles with like a 10K cooldown is really what it meant it turned out to be because my legs weren't strong enough to run. So I remember like two weeks after the race, I'm out there like all of a sudden I'm starting to do workouts again. And you send me a text like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, I so I also feel like you're not giving yourself enough credit because you were out there on it, it doesn't matter whether you walked the whole thing or what like you were out there for four over four hours. It's a ton of time on your feet. And like you said, you hadn't built up a full amount of strength. It, so your body like your body was still carrying you that whole way on your legs. And so I don't know, I, I, I still am standing by the fact that I think you had a miraculous turnaround. But I also think a lot of it is mental for both of us and both of our experience, because I think for you, you were you had kind of this buildup and you started, you know, you got back and it was such a fun weekend. It was as there were so many people there everywhere you turned with someone you're doing live shows. I feel like you came out of that hungry to keep training and building. And I came out being at my first instinct was like, I never want to do this again. And then after a few days, I briefly considered maybe I should, you know, the Ventura marathon up here is in February and that's a great course. And a lot of my teammates do the half. And so for a brief second, I'm like, maybe I should do the full and just give it another go. And it wasn't until I ran for the first time, six days later, I did like a 20 minute jog. I was like, yeah, absolutely not. Nope. We're not, we're not doing any sort of racing for a while. Um, but I feel like for you, that's why, I mean, I really, I'm, I'm not exaggerating at all. It was at least a month before anything really felt normal. And, and I'm looking at you doing all these workouts. I'm like, what is happening? This is not normal. You are recovering in a superhuman way. And I think part of that too, was that I wasn't cramping. My legs were just like, we're done, homie. It's over. And again, it was like, it was embarrassing. I was not a fan of it. I'm, I, it sounds great in retrospect. I'm like, oh, I'm so blase about it. I was not having a great experience in that moment, especially because like I started getting recognized by people. I'm like putting my head down like, no, you don't know me. No, I don't have a podcast. No, you don't know. Um, but it was, uh, I didn't stop eating. That was the thing is that even though I wasn't running anymore, I took all the gels. I didn't finish with the gel. And as you know, they do a great job of giving out gels on that course. So I was grabbing gels all the time because this is one of the things that I've had a chance to learn over the last few years was that like, it's not, you know, from a recovery standpoint, it's not just about fueling after the race, even these workouts. Like when you fuel during these hard sessions, whether it's a hard workout or a race or whatever, that also is like the springboard for the recovery after the race, this fueling, so that I was taking in a ton of gels the whole time, even when I was walking. And I think that also helped me uh, recover in a, again, it wasn't the only reason, but I think that I didn't limit my recovery in that sense. And um, I think that also helped a lot because, you know, you get that experience where like, you know, you, you if you don't 
take in those calories in that glucose, it, it does backfire on you. Like I'm, now I'm like filibustering a little bit to like look at my, my training log. So that race was the first Sunday in December. That's always when CIM is. So I did my first workout post-race on December 21st. When did you run after? Did you run that like the next day, that week? I took a week off. Okay. And then I did, see here, then it was, I took a week off. Then I did 20 miles the following week. Then I did high 20s the next week, including three by four, one on, one off. So 12 total. Um, But it's like for that one, like I was amped. Like I couldn't wait to do that one. Like it wasn't like, uh uh-oh, how is this going to go? Like I'm going to be like the tin man out here. Like I like literally I put on flats and went to the track. Like I'm showing you like this is like the – it's like the glare. You can't see it. But like I was like, forget this, dude. I'm going to the track. I'm going to go crush this thing. And like I was holding – let's see here. I was holding 530 pace. For the fartleks, like to put that in perspective, I haven't done that since. Like I've been, I'm still running. It's been it's been a month and a half since then. I haven't. This is the fastest I've gone all winter. This was eleven days after the race. Again, yeah, that's my race was very different than yours, and it, it it it. I can't highlight this enough. When we talk about like, hey, how am I going to recover from the race? Am I recovering well? Is what's my like? What does this recovery mean for me? Um, I know a lot of people get in their own heads about it. Like there are so many factors that go into it. And it's just hilarious, right? Like, let's talk about, like, what your December was like. You you touched on it a little bit. Like, we just talked about mine, how, like, basically my race is supposed to, like, recovering from it. Like, it became, like, a springboard to, like, the next training cycle. For you, talk to me about those moments where, like, you're in December. You're, you know, you're, you're sending me all these wonderful messages. Like, look at you. You're doing great. You're doing great. And this is, like, you know, let's talk about that comparison game. Because I know that you were not psyched about how your body was recovering, but yet you were being positive towards me. So let's, what's, what's that point counterpoint like as you're going through it? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people, you're right, the comparison game is hard, but I also think it's important because if there are ebbs and flows in, in running and in life. And you if you learn to ride them and stay optimistic, and the most important thing to me is staying consistent, even when you're not on a high, right? It's really easy. Like you said, when you're feeling good to get out there and you're, I've got your spikes on. And I was mentally dragging for a couple of reasons that I can go into, but I mean, so much so that when you said I put on new flats at the track, I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, every workout I've done since CIM, I've been wearing my vapor flies that are three years old. Like they're so old. They have like 300 miles on them. Because in my head, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not quite training yet. Like, I'm not quite there. I'm just going to throw on my old, you know, because they're comfortable. And it's you're almost, I'm almost sandbagging myself. But for me, so I, you know, I kind of toyed mentally first. Like, I never want to look at another marathon again. Marathons are dumb. Why do we do this to ourselves? Like, why pay to do this? this is stupid. And then a couple of days later, um, you know, my I ran step by step with a teammate until mile 18. And then she started and we had done almost all our training together. Uh, and she had started to fall back a little. And I took a tip from you. I, I never run with headphones, but I brought them in my pocket just in case. And I had them connected to my watch and I'm glad I did because I was alone and there was, and I was feeling terrible for the last eight miles. And there was this heavy, heavy mouth breather near me that I just couldn't pass. So I put my headphones in, which had really helped. 
So then I just kind of, you know, I'm like going back and forth. So my teammate, she signed up for Eugene like you. And so I felt like everyone around. Shout out to Avery. Can't wait to see Avery again. Yeah. Avery's excited. Everyone was just kind of like getting back into things. I felt like everywhere I turned, somebody was posting like, oh, I've I've done no speed work. And I just popped out a 10K PR by three minutes off of CIM training. Like it just kept happening. And for me, you know, I took off like you, I took a week, I took a full week off and then I did 30 minute jogs every other day and I, I, they weren't fun. I didn't feel good. I felt like I was awkward and just my body, like my quads were still kind of feeling terrible. So I was going to some trails and just not looking at my watch, listening to music, which I don't do a lot. I usually listen to podcasts, but I felt like I needed more motivation. And then, um, around two weeks after the race, I started working with Lauren Floris, who's a teammate of mine and a coach because she had trained the, um, along with Mary Johnson, they had that sub three group. And I was, I, I obviously know Lauren and we used to run together at the track. Shout, shout out to Lauren. So not only is she part of the front perform, but she's also now the head coach of Pepperdine. Pepperdine. Yeah. Which, which is like kudos to them and kudos to her for that. I mean, what a great gig. She's amazing. And when she, before she took that job, she used to be one of the women who ran at the track with us in the morning. And it, you know, I just, it was amazing to see her. She's so versatile and just so fast at all the distances and so encouraging. And I never really wanted a coach. I just kind of like doing my own thing and hopping into other people's workouts. But when I saw how their team did, how many of them PR'd and broke three hours, and she went and paced them for, you know, 16 miles, I'm like, that is dedication. And she's on my team. She's, she's a Jane as well. And she lives nearby and she coaches a couple of our other teammates. And so I was, I talked to her and I was like, you know, do you have an, would you be willing to coach me? And she was like, I would love to coach you. So I started working with her and that was really great from a mental load perspective, because if I had been training myself, I think I would have tried to get back into speed or just seeing people like you and other people out there just PRing off of very little training or jumping back into workouts and signing up for, I would have done the same thing. And she instead was like, look, you know, my, my half marathon PR is 128. It's not that it's, it should be faster for my goals. And so she's like, and I've never done a half marathon dedicated training season. So she was like, look, we're no marathon for a while. Let's focus on the half and we're going to do a few this spring and let's, you know, there's no rush. Let's just build slowly. So at first I was like, all right, this feels really slow to me. I was, you know, so it was a week off a week of every other day, 20 to 30 minute jogs. Then there was two more weeks of very easy running. Um, it, we built up a little bit, like my long run was eight miles, then 10 miles, which again, that was my easy day going into CIM. So right, that was just your normal, like Tuesday. Totally. It was just like, that was, that was just like, you're like, Oh, it's a light day, eight to 10 miles, but this was my long run. So it was much less than what I was doing. Um, we started doing, you know, throwing in some strides some short hill sprints, but no real workout, nothing that I felt like I needed to change shoes for to me, to me, changing shoes is the sign of a legit workout to come. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. I love it. I love, I love having that second pair of shoes with me. It's like, Oh, this means game time. Oh yeah. It's you're like, now we're changing shoes. Um, so there was no changing shoes. It was all just, you know, a little bit of speed here and there. And, um, and so that kind of took us over Christmas break. You know, we were potty training my daughter. The weather here was crazy. It was very rainy and windy, which it never is in Southern California. We should say you live in Southern California. 
Yeah. And we live right by the beach. So when I'm not working, all of my runs are on the coast and the wind was, I mean, like 20 to 30 mile per hour in one direction. So I just, even that I'm like, I wasn't really feeling, I was fine with not having a ton of training for the month after CIM. The weather was hard. It was a lot going on at home. Then we go back to work and I'm like, okay, now school starting. I'm going to start meeting my friends at the track again. And then it was like, COVID shut down for 10 days, my daughter's school. My husband had to travel for a wedding. So then I'm home. So I'm doing treadmill runs at like four in the morning before the kids get up or during nap time, which sucks. I did, there was one long run, which was, it was like an hour and 45 minutes. And it, I started running at eight 30 on the treadmill while my kids watched a movie. I stopped so many times. We then take the bike outside where my son's biking and I'm pushing the stroller then we go back in and on the treadmill. Then I waited till they, by the time I finished my run, it was 1.30 PM. Like it was split up throughout the morning. Does that was, count as a double? I don't even know. It counts like <laughs> five times. There was, it was like little spurts of running and I just kept hitting, all right, like pause for now on my watch and then getting back into it. So it was like, I was running and I was kind of, I was running around 40, maybe 45 miles a week, but there was, it again, it was, I always felt like it was like, all right, the weather or I'm on the treadmill or I just, nothing was really clicking. And, um, you know, Can I it, stop you there. Can I stop you there? Because this happens to a lot of people that w- what you're describing and there can be maybe with people who have less of a su- support system. I don't know if that's the right word, but like you're involved with running groups. You have a coach, like there is, there's a community that you're a part of in this in, from a running perspective. And I feel like there's a lot of people out there who maybe you're riding solo through their running journey to some degree who could be going through a similar situation and all of a sudden be like, you know what? I'm just going to step away for a little bit. And sometimes they come back, right? I'm going to step away for six weeks and I'm going to come back. And sometimes they don't. Sometimes that six weeks turns into another six weeks and then it's all of a sudden it's summertime and so on and so forth. So has that ever happened to you or can you imagine a situation where that was the case? Again, I'm not putting judgment on these things, but sometimes and I'm, and I'm one of these people, so I'll speak for myself. I have gone through those moments, and I have gone through periods of running where it just wasn't working in my life, and I've been like, hey, no, this was a legit thing. I just need to take a step back. And there have been other times in my life where I rationalized taking a step back in my head when in actuality I probably didn't need to, but like I could come up with kind of fake excuses for why I probably should, and then end up, you know, whether it's six months or a year, a year and a half, or maybe even five years later, looking back and been like, you know what? I really didn't need to do that. I kind of like talked myself into it when it was really just like three days I needed there. And I, I kind of, it kind of escalated. Yeah. I've, I've always been on the opposite spectrum where I, I'm like, I should have taken three days and I didn't, I pushed through and then I dug myself into a hole. So I'm much more cautious of that. Um, you, you mentioned the nutrition piece, which I agree, I think is a huge thing. And so something that I've been really cautious of is, um, you know, the mindset of like, oh, I'm not really training right now. I'm just building back. Historically, I would have not paid as much attention to my fueling. But now, regardless, I'm like, no, I'm not doing any runs on empty. I'm eating before I go. If it's over, uh, you know, if it's 90 minutes or more, I'm taking at least a gel, sometimes two. And I'm, I'm being... I'm proud of myself for that. And I'm just kind of sticking to that. And I've just gotten to a point, I think it's definitely, especially after kids, I'm like, it's not going great for me right now. Um, I have glimmers here and there. 
So a few weeks ago, um, a bunch of my teammates were doing a 5k and that Tuesday trap workout was, it went great. I mean, I was hitting like low fives on just paces I hadn't seen in a while. And I felt really like myself. And I went into this 5k with tons of optimism and it went terribly. It was my slowest 5k in years. It was awful. Um, and I kind of flared up some posterior tibial tendinitis that I had from a year ago doing that race. So that's now kind of where I am. I've had since that race, like I just kind of mentally was I'm like, what am I doing? I don't know. I'm like going through the motions but every day I'm making a conscious choice. I'm literally like, you know what? It would be really easy now to just take a step back, but I have a coach who's encouraging. I have people I'm meeting. And even if I'm not running, like, I think that the hardest thing that we do as runners, especially if we're amateur runners is we say like, Oh, I'm not hitting what I should be hitting. Well, should be by whose standards, like my brain, like what, what does that even mean? So I would look back at old, workouts on my Garmin. And I'm like, Oh, like when I did CIM in 2018, by this time I was running these paces and I was like, that's such a slippery slope. So I've tried God, to, I was there this morning. It's the worst. Like I, this morning I was shooting all over myself. Like I was looking at like what races, what paces I should be hitting and workouts and stuff like that. And I was like, what am I doing here? Like things are going well. Why am I walking down this path? It's so, it's so tempting to do because it's there, especially if we do races that we like repetitively. So for me, it's CIM. I love that. My PRs from there from 2012, my favorite where I felt the best 2018, I just ran another PR there. So, and then there's local races that I historically have done after CIM. So I'm always like, so I was like, oh, why surf city 5k? I should be PRing in the 5k. Meanwhile, I run a minute slower than my PR And then I'm like, oh, by this time, this is, and it's, I'm like, why am I looking back and operating on these timelines? Because there's so, there's so many differences and it, you know, there's so many variables. Well, let's talk about the 5k, right? Let's just take, you ran that 5k, you had that, that you had, you had that workup beforehand that made you feel good. So you go in there with confidence think I always talk to when I talk to my athletes, it's like when you talk about a 5K, it really comes down to like, did you did you ruin the 5K in the first 800 meters? Because that's possible. It's, it's possible to go out so hard that you like literally screw yourself. Also, it's like, all right, if you don't do that and depend as long as the course is relatively flat or whatever, and you don't have like these obstacles that you have to handle. You know, what did you do in the last half mile in terms of like going through the discomfort? Right. Because we're all we all hit there again. This is not pace specific. Anyone who runs a 5K in the last half mile, you're going to hit that moment where you're like, screw this. I don't want to push anymore. And what do you do then? Because that ultimately determines like how well the race goes for you. Again, this is all relative uh, to, to uh, you know, your fitness level. But what did for you, how, how did it go in those two respects? You know, it's, it's funny because so this course, it's just an out and back on the Pacific coast highway. And my house is at, um, mile one and then mile two, like, cause so of that. you know, this like by the, like the back of your hand. Oh yeah. And I run and it's flat and it's, you know, and it, I mean, there's like a very negligible like dip and then come back up. Um, it was cold. It was sun. It was really great race weather. And, um, what was hard for me is, so I've gotten really good at just racing by effort. What I have not gotten good at is when I look down and do quick mental math, not passing judgment. So I went in being like, I'm going to run this on effort. 
So it was definitely the appropriate effort. But the last 5K I did was um, I did the Oakland Turkey Trot right before CIM. It was like eight days before. I did it as a workout and I ran a sub six minute pace for the whole thing. And I felt like I could run through a wall, literally. Like I, it was one of those races where I was like, I just, I wanted to keep going at that pace. I felt awesome. This one, I start running with five of my teammates within a hundred meters. They took off and, um, and these are people I, in my head was like, oh, I'm going to try We're going to run all together. So they take off and I'm, I'm going by what's a, an honest 5k effort. I can't, there's no chance I can even lie and say, oh, I was just doing a workout. No, I was actually trying and I'm looking down and I'm like, this is not the pace that I should be, or I think I should be seeing for this effort. It's not what I'm used to seeing. It's not what I saw in November. Uh, and I, I finished, I wrote it out. It was pretty evenly paced, but it was, I was like, okay, this is not what I hoped. So I, you know, the effort was there. It just was not showing me the paces that I hoped I would be capable, capable of at this point after CIM. So that really said to me, like, my body's not ready, um, for racing. So I'm, I was like, I'm going to take a step back. I was going to do the Ventura half the next weekend. Um, some teammates are doing it and I, 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 I defer to next year. And I, instead I'm just, I'm going to, because I am enjoying training. It's just, I, my body needs more time. And I said this to you, you know, I, sometimes you get these glimmers and that keeps you going. And I think, I really think just looking back, there've been a lot of times where I felt this way, where I'm like, it's been over two months and almost three months in CIM. Why am I not feeling like the fitness is surpassing where I was? Cause I thought by now I'd be running faster, you know, and I'm not, I'm not even running paces that I was running before CIM. Well, I, at the same time though, it's, it is, I feel like a positive that the 5k went in a way where like, you weren't like, Hey, I was running a certain pace. And then like, I just like the last mile or so, my body's like, no, you, you can't handle this, right? Like you, you ran independent of like what the time was. If you just went completely by effort, right? And like, you didn't know what your time was at the, at the finish line. You didn't have a GPS watch. It was like, hey, we're just going out running from here to here and we're done. And if you were like, hey, I put in a really good effort and I ran well, I pushed hard and all that stuff. Like, I feel like that's like an awesome sign. Right. That like you weren't like you didn't crumble. You weren't like my legs feel bad. I don't have like the spring. Like you feel like you you ran well. The only time that you judge yourself negatively was when you looked at your watch. I feel like that's like it's hard to like compartmentalize. But I feel like it's one of those things where like if your friend was telling you this story, you would have like a different perspective on the race as a, instead of like if it was your race. You know what I mean? Like you would, you'd be like, oh, well, this, look at all these positives, right? But because it's like your race, it's like, oh no, like look at all these negatives or here's, here's so many what ifs. You know what? It's funny because, so Avery ran this too. And she, you know, at CIM, she finished one minute behind me and then she ran this 5k also. And she finished 10 seconds in front of me, which was also a full minute slower than her PR. And she said exactly that. She's like, look, it's not like any, she's like, I'm not out here crushing it after CIM. Like we're all we're all kind of recovering at a similar uh, pace, even though it's frustrating. Um, I will say though, if my thoughts were broadcasted, it would have been incredibly embarrassing during the race because both times we passed my house at mile one, and then you go out and you turn around. And then at mile two, I was like, maybe I should just go home. It, <laughs> it would just be 
didn't like I part of me was like maybe I should just call it maybe I should just go home and get breakfast like I'm it's kind of cold like I was having thoughts like this in a 5k and you look back and you laugh and but I mean it was serious at the time I'm like this sucks like I'm running this is so hard I want to just stop so um I was not mentally strong throughout but also I you know I I don't my body wasn't ready for that kind of effort and um for what I expected and I think I was just going back like after 2018 when I did this 5k, the same one. So the same amount of time after CIM 2018, I ran a a huge PR and I think it's kind of like childbirth. Like every recovery from every birth is different person to person, you know, child to child. And I think the same thing about marathons because marathons are these huge events that you build up to. And there's so many factors, um, that play into it. And, you know, again, like there were all these COVID childcare work disruptions, work's been super stressful and I hate making excuses, but I don't know, those things definitely affect it. So yeah, stress is stress. Yeah. So I'm just showing up and I'm hoping my stuff starts looking like your stuff soon. <laughs> well, th- and this is, this is the funniest part where like, if someone like missed the intro, they'd be like, wow, man must be faster than Tanya. Like, look, look at how these two people are talking about their running. No people. Tanya beat me by an hour and 15 minutes at CIM. An hour and 15 minutes. Okay? That's three minutes a mile. <laughs> That's insane. So let's read this. And weeks. <laughs> but, but, but my point is, is that no matter how fast you are or how fast you're not, right? Things can be wildly different from a recovery perspective. And this is exactly why I want to do this episode. This is a great ep- This is a great dichotomy of like how a rate how a how a training cycle can go how a race can go which your training cycle and race went so well you pushed hard you fought through hurdles you had this incredible training cycle after giving birth which is not the norm right we had kate barrett on the show last month and she had a story that was really important because it was one of those things that that's the norm that's what a lot of people go through you had this wonderful training cycle and is it taking a while after that yeah it is and like my training cycle wasn't that great. Neither was my race. Did I bounce back quickly from it? I have. But all of these things are so interrelated. And I think that, that it's important to, to tell both sides of this. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's also a lot of people, um, somebody posed a question recently on social media, is is social media good or bad for runners? And there's definitely been moments where I'm like, maybe I should just delete Instagram for a while because I, I did feel like almost everyone I knew who ran CIM, um, except for actually my training partners locally, because honestly, we've all been feeling similarly. Like we had, we stopped 14 miles into a 16 mile run a week ago and got brunch. Like we were just like, yeah, we're done. Like we're just going to be done. Um, I just feel like mentally, none of us feel like pushing that hard right now. But whenever I go on social media, I see all these other people who I know that ran it and they're all you know, crushing it and running and signing up for races and doing Boston. And, um, so part of me was like, maybe I should just sign up for a little, but then, you know, I would see your posts and I started to think of, I started to kind of change my mentality and I'm like, no, this is running, you know, like there've been times where Matt has not had great training cycles or great workouts for stretches of time or injuries. And you've been honest and posted about that. And you mentioned Kate Barrett. I followed her for a while and, um, I, I loved her episode and I, I love her honesty and because I, I think it, it is really easy to share the highlight reel, but it's also really cool to, when you're in a low spot, if you can go and see other people succeeding and feel genuine happiness for them, and you can continue to be consistent and stay positive that your next great run is just around the corner. It will be, you know, and this whole week, I, 
I quit my workout on Tuesday at the track. Um, it was work stress related, but I just, I was like, I had, I just was done and my foot was bothering me. And I spent kind of Wednesday, Thursday, Friday in a self pity hole. And you were like, do you want to come on the show? And I was like, I don't know. Pretty negative. I was like, I don't know if you're going to want me on, but then yeah, I, I had to talk you into that one, you know? And I was like, well, let, let me see how my run goes tomorrow. I have kind of a big workout. And I, I literally psyched myself up for it. I was like, look, you're going to be talking to Matt. Wouldn't it be cool if you could say, Hey, I had this shitty 5k and I haven't had, I've had maybe one or two good workouts since. Um, but I stayed positive and I did, and I had a great workout and long run yesterday. It was literally the best I, I run I've had since, you know, before CIM. And so that to me is, is a positive of social media and sharing these things because literally your next it, good run. And that can carry you for weeks after you can, you remember that feeling and you can keep that in your mind. So I don't, I don't feel ready to race. Uh, I'm not joining you and Eugene, no matter how much you try. I, I, will, I, 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 I am shameless on that point. I, I have tried very often. <laughs> I know it honestly, it looks so One day I definitely want to do it. I, that's you finish in the stadium, right? Well, see, maybe you'll do the half. You've already talked about the halves. You've already, you've already postponed Ventura. So who knows? I, yeah, I would consider that. I just, you know, I, I had to be honest with where I was. And I, you know, I went into that 5k thinking like, magic would happen. It didn't as it usually does not. It's very rare that people run something that they're like, wow, I wasn't expecting that. Um, but they post about it. So we keep chasing that. So I, for me, it was, I'm like, you know, I'm just going to keep going. Uh, I'm going to keep doing my PT exercises on my foot, make sure it stays in check. And I'm just going to keep, you know, and I've, I've been running like 50 to 55 miles a week for the, which is no, let's just pause there. Right. Like that's an achievement. Like, Holding 55 to 60 mile weeks is an achievement, as is doing this a, a, a marathon that you did, because that doesn't it doesn't leave your body. Right. Because we talk to people all the time. It's like when you're able to do that, that stuff doesn't go away. It's it's there. Right. We talk all the time about like it's so much easier to get back to a fitness level than it is to get to a new fitness level. And that is not even running specific. Like you talk to anyone, you talk to a weightlifter, right? Like, so I used to lift a ton of weights when I was in college because I played college basketball and I'm five, eight. So like, if I wasn't strong, like I was really in trouble. So like I used to lift a ton and it was so easy to like get back to where I was like after like, say like it was hard to lift during the season after the season, like within three weeks, I was back to like my max bench because like I'd already done the work in the past. It was so easy to get back to where I was. Um, obviously, like this is a different situation. You wouldn't, wouldn't call it easy, but the road back to where you've been is already paved where like the road past that is a dirt road or a trail or whatever you want to say. And, um, you know, that that's it is harder to get back there. With that said, I think this is a this is the kind of conversation where I think a lot of roadrunners can learn from our brethren on the ultra, the ultra side, right? It's like I'm listening to, I was re-listening to a podcast this morning on the treadmill between Drew Holman and Dylan Bowman on Dylan Bowman's podcast, Free Trail. And, you know, so Dylan ran hard rock and it was, you know, that's an unbelievably hard race. It's 156 miles. It's ridiculous. It's like 35,000 feet of climbing and all this nonsense, right? Like, like he didn't run for six weeks after that race. Oh, wow. Drew Holman gets, you know, he, just like Dylan, he podiums in his race. He runs Western States. It's his first 100-mile race. He runs incredibly well. Uh, the first ten, the last 10 miles were extremely hard for him. And um, 
he like ended up going to the hospital with like borderline rhabdo. So he had some liver issues. He six weeks after that race, he had just started running back to back days. Wow. Six weeks after. Again, Drew Holman's situation is kind of on the more extreme side. Dylan's, he didn't have to go to the hospital, but he was just like, I'm not, no, I'm just not. It's not running. So he took an, a, a hellacious time off. Like he posted today. Again, I know Dylan a little bit, but like I know him through social media like most people. And, you know, so he posted today, like he finally, as he put it, he ripped off the Band-Aid. He went for 33 miles today and ran for a little over five hours on the trails. Hard Rock was a long time ago. It was not last month. It was like almost half a year ago. And Dylan said, now he's ripping off the Band-Aid. Again, that was almost six months ago. Wow. So putting it in perspective, again, there's a big difference between CIM and Hard Rock. I understand that. But a lot of this is relative. So I think when we give ourselves grace in this, in this, in this sort of thing, while also not throwing in the towel and kind of continuing along the journey, as long as we're not doing it, as long as we're doing it without expectation, that we're setting, we're potentially setting ourselves up for success that we can build upon all the stuff we've done before, as opposed to being like, yeah, I did that train cycle. That was great. Then I took a year off. And then I'm getting back into it. And all of a sudden, it's a, it's a little bit of a different situation as opposed to like like you mentioned, like, hey, maybe the fitness isn't coming back as quickly as you wanted or the pop isn't quite there. But you're still putting in the miles. So it's not about if it's coming back. It's more of a win question than an if. Yeah. And it's also, you know, I think there's a couple ways to build mental toughness when you're running. I think sometimes it's grinding through the really hard runs or when the weather is terrible and you're still pushing and you're doing it. But it's also sometimes just getting out there and thinking about different, you're like, okay, so I might not feel the best during this tempo run, but um, the flowers smell really nice. And look at that, they're blooming and spring is coming. And uh, I know we don't, our seasons aren't the same in Southern California, but they, there are definitely differences. And we've had these like really dry, um, hot Santa Ana wind days recently and I'm doing a tempo run and I was negotiating with myself the whole time. Every I'm like, all right, I'm just going to make it to that water fountain. I'm going to get water and I'm going to quit. And then when I got to the water fountain, I'm like, you know, what? let me go a little more. And by the time I finished my five mile tempo, I had finished it and I got faster as I went. And I was trying to just find something positive along the way or like just little goals. And so even though it wasn't a workout that would have impressed me in October, it, you know, you're still exercising that. And I, you're right. I think you hang all of that contributes. Um, and at some point you do, you unlock this next level of fitness. So I'm not there yet, but I love, like, when did you, when did you feel like you had hit? Cause I know you've been really candid about this is you're hitting mileage and workouts and volume and overall training that you've never hit before. Um, was there a point where you kind of one week were like, Oh my goodness, I, I met, like I met my peak fitness and I'm still building and I still have room to go. Did you feel that transition? Yeah, but I wouldn't. Yes. And it was in January um, when I went, I, I had never done back to back 50 mile weeks. And then I did that. And then the week after I did that, I ran in the sixties for the first time ever. And then I ran, um, what's this? then I did what 58 last week. And it looks like I'm going to be doing in the 60s the next two weeks, which I'm excited about. And then we'll be doing a half marathon after that. So from a strength perspective, I'm in a new area for me. I'm not in a new area from a speed perspective. So I just want to put that out there. So I don't 
you know, I'm doing intervals like, you know, six by three minutes with like two minute jog in between. And like this, it's kind of funny because like, it's like I ran, I did a 10 mile run this week. So this week I had three workouts. So wow, three, three workouts on a schedule. So I had like a interval workout and then I had like a, a tempo ish thing. And then I had a long run, which didn't end up happening. My body was like, nah, dude ain't happening um so i didn't I didn't get to it so i did like i did four miles and it was like it was hellacious my body was just like i stopped five times in four miles to like reset and it was like it's not happening so i just went home it was like that's just but that's me like that that's it's always been the case with me like that i'm not one of those people like sarah bishop's been on this show as much as i've been on this show and she's one of those people who like can just go and i feel like that's a talent just as much as a talent to like jump high or run like a fast 40 time. Some people just don't get tired. And some of them are not even athletes. I say, I've said this a million times. My mother-in-law lives across the street. She doesn't get tired. She just goes. She's in her seventies. She can outwork anybody who's listening to this podcast. I know this because she outworks me on a daily basis and does so in my own house. So I <laughs> witness it. Some people are just like that. I'm not. Right. My, my, my nap time usually has to like equal my runtime. Again, I don't get to take the naps, but if I did, that's what it would be. So my, um, so I, this is a long way of me answering the question, but ultimately my speed isn't there because like I'll do these intervals and I'm like, why am I in like the low sevens for the, these like three minute bursts? Right. Cause like, well, you have so much volume though. Like well, that's, yeah, I don't, I don't want to judge. So like I mentioned before, like this morning I was like, kind of getting in my own head about it. This was the topic I was getting in my own head about because, but it was funny. Cause like I did like, you know, a six by three minutes and I'm in like the low sevens and I'm like, all right. I'm like, that's not quite where I want to be, but I was running by effort. So whatever. So I move on. But then like two days later, I do a 10 mile run second half kind of do like steady pace, which for me, I view as like fun pace, which means tap the gas, never touch the brakes. So if you means coasting fine, but don't touch the brakes. And like, it's funny because like the last three or four miles of that 10 mile run, I was running faster continuously than I was running in the intervals. So I'm like, what the hell is that? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, So I'm sitting there like, I'm sitting there like trying to figure it out. Like how, like no one in their right mind would run the would run faster for four continuous miles than they would run in like this interval session that doesn't even equal four miles. No, so, it like, makes sense though, because you're training for a marathon and that's, and that's why I was saying, don't look back at old workouts it, and we all do it. But I, this fall when we were doing our kind of Yasso 800s, uh, I remember we do it. I think we did 10 or 12. And like I said, they were like 257, 259. That was the goal. And it was a great workout, right? Like that was, it was a huge volume. It was like a 13 mile morning, but I went back and I'm like, when was the last time I did an 800 meter workout? And it was last April and we did eight, 800s at 246 to 250. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm getting slower. CIM's coming up in three or four weeks. And I just totally, like, I went from feeling like, wow, we just crushed this workout to feeling like I have no speed and I was faster in the spring and I, you know, texting the girls and everyone's like, what? you were running 40 to 50 miles in the spring. You were doing a workout on Tuesday and like a tempo in your long run. Like, look at the week you've had literally three days ago, we did 23 miles and then you had like, it all adds up. And so I, you do lose some speed in, in, I don't, people say you lose speed in marathon training. I don't think you lose it. I just feel like it's, you're not using it. 
You're just not seeing. Yeah, it's, it's it. like saying it's like being like like I'm not. It's not. I didn't lose my hammer. It's just sitting in my garage. It's sitting in the garage. It's there. It's underneath the you know the fatigue and all of the thing. And even if you don't feel if you're like, but I'm handling the mileage well. Um, it's just you're not tapping into it in the same way. And so I think that's what I expected was oh the mileage will come back after come down after CIM and I'll be fresh and then the speed will just be there. Um, but it's not because I also haven't been touching these paces since last April and May. So I don't know why I'm expecting them to just appear right now. So I think reminding ourselves things like that and not looking back. Um, and that's, you know, you're, you should be having your tempo runs should be the strongest runs of your week. That means that you're gearing up for a marathon. That makes a ton of sense. And so that's awesome. No, I feel if, if that's why I'm like kicking it too. Why can't I be peaking in the mile in the in the marathon at the same time? Um, so like so so today I, I took it out on my my hill strides after my run today. So I did I did you know eight miles and then I had hill strides and I, like I just like busted it and like Mike, it's funny my coach was like the hill strides should just be relaxed, <laughs> just just cruise. And you saw my heart rate. My heart rate data was like 178 on each hill stride. <laughs> Again, to put that in perspective, I'm 41 years old, so I really probably should be hitting 178 in a 22nd hill stride. That's awesome. You know how quickly, you know how hard you have to go to go from like normal heart rate to 178 in 20 seconds? <laughs> really, you have to go really hard. Yeah. Do you do those at the end of easy runs now? Yeah. 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 Almost all of them. Um, whether it's hill strides or just normal strides. Mm. Um. But uh, oftentimes it's oftentimes it's hill strides, which I view as fun. But um, it's it it is different though. It is it's uh, I don't know which one I prefer necessarily, but they are they are so different. That's something new that Lauren's been having me do. I I I actually really enjoy strides on the track before a workout, but I had never done them elsewhere. Right, like an easy run to me. I'm just like I'm just shuffling along, whatever. So I've been doing strides um, on our turf field at school barefoot. So I'll like do my run, uh, like 60 minutes, whatever, and then come back, take my shoes off and I'll run, do the diagonal and then jog a straight and then do the other diagonal across the football field. Um, so do you jog the straight on the short side or the long side? Great question on the long side. So okay. it takes, it's about a minute. And so I just like really shuffle down and then I go as fast as I can diagonal, like, co- like corner to corner. Um, and it's, it, I feel like, I don't know. This is going to sound silly, but sometimes as a runner, I don't feel athletic. Like I just, I don't know. Like I'm not a swimmer. I don't, I don't know. I'm like not great at other sporty things. Like I don't play tennis, but doing that for some reason on the football field, I'm like, oh, I feel like an athlete, like I'm like running fast on a football field. Yeah. Cause what, for me, it's like, again, part of it harkens back to like what it used to be as an athlete. But the other part is that like, if you, I love to watch like videos of people who are like kicking ass. Right. So like like the, the guy from Finland, like the 22 year old who set the 1500 meter world record last week, like that was insane. But you watch him and you you just watch like the range of motion of his legs from like the hip perspective and the front to like how high his heel is going in the back. And you're like, oh, my God. And this is just an example. Like there's a million runners who we could say this about. But this is just like the most recent one that I was looking at. And I'm like, I don't know if my leg could. It's just like no matter how fast I was going, like I don't put my leg in that kind of position very often. 
So I'm like, this is like a great reason why strides are so important for me is that like just getting that sort of building in that sort of range of motion, not even from an explosive perspective, but almost like a, <laughs> this is a horrible question, but like a yoga perspective. It's like mm. op- making it so like that this, that this range of motion is a possibility for me if I have the kind of explosion that would make it even necessary as opposed to like doing it the other way around of like, all right, now the explosion is there, but the range of motion isn't there. So maybe we need to do something about that. Yeah. It's uh, there's nothing more humbling than filming yourself when you think you're going fast and then it's the worst. I'm never doing it again. I'm on the treadmill two weeks ago. I'm never doing it again. No, it's so funny because you're like, oh, and then you look at it. And because in our heads, the only images of fast runners we have in our heads are professional runners. So when like. So I'm like, I'm doing a stride and I literally think that I look like Kira D'Amato and then I watch it back and I'm like, oh, I look like I'm jogging. This is very embarrassing. Uh, And then you notice all of your form. Like you said, I'm like, how do their knees get so high? It's really funny. Um, There's a couple of girls at the, so our Tuesday morning track group is fun because there's um, some short distance, like 800 meter runners. And then there's the marathoners. And then there's some people who kind of do like mile to 5k and so the, uh, the 800 meter runner, Sarah Van Dyke, she does a lot of pacing for the sound running meet. So she's always in like kind of two minute, you know, 800 meters. It's so fast. And so she's watching her go. I'm like, Oh my gosh. And then, you know, and then we go and I feel like I'm moving fast and you see the difference. You're like, Nope, not, not even close. That is, I don't even look like I'm running. <laughs> I know I did like these one minute, like speed intervals on the treadmill. And I thought like my heel kick was like a thing of beauty. <laughs> and I like, I was like, you know, what? I'm going to film this. I'm, I'm crushing it right now. I can tell. So I film it and I run it back. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm barely going past 90 degrees on this back kick. Like, what the hell was I thinking? Do you do slow-mo and then like, oh, no, I don't need to do slow-mo. It's already in slow-mo, Tanya. I don't know if you've heard about how fast I ran the marathon. This shit's already in slow-mo. Oh my gosh. You have to do slow-mo and then you not only you, you pause it and then you finger scrub it like frame by frame and just it's just an exercise if i did that i wouldn't be looking at my heel kick i'd be looking at my belly bounce and i'd be horrified the whole time i tried um i tracked and sent us some briefs and i'm like let me try this on my treadmill and so i did that with the slow-mo and i was like cool we're just never gonna wear these again (laughs) well to to be fair no one looks good in slow-mo it's if really- like if if, if 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 skin is on the screen, no one looks good in slow mo. It's so funny. Um, no, we got a little sidetracked, but it. I mean, really though, it has been so cool to see your progression and just like your optimism because I, it's infectious. And I feel like whenever I'm like, I don't want to run, running sucks right now, and then I'm like, you know what? Maybe today I'll feel like Matt or anyone else who's just feeling great right now. Um, and so you just keep getting out there. So, and I'm, and I'm inspired by you because things aren't going well, but you're still putting in just as much, if many, if more miles than I am. And you just ran a PR at CIM a year after giving birth. And that's a huge thing. And more is to come. I'm just so excited for you. I know that you have, you have sub three on the brain and it's a big goal of yours. And I, I cannot wait for when it happens. But even more importantly, I just love talking to you and you're an awesome person. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I do too. It's so fun to catch up and just keep just keep improving and inspiring everyone. It's been really, really exciting to see. So maybe I'll see you at the half. I will definitely consider that.
All right. You opened up a door that you're not going to be able to close now. So thank you for, for doing that. I do need one. I don't have one on the calendar. Something may. Well, let's, let's May see 1st, how- baby. I'll see you on May 1st. 10 weeks. 10 weeks. All right. Well, it's a it's a very strong maybe. Avery will be happy. Tanya, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was so much fun. I hope you learned something uh, either in your own recovery journey that may be ongoing or maybe in the future. Maybe this doesn't help you now, but maybe in six months, three months, a year, two years, you can harken back to this episode and maybe it helps you um, put your recovery into perspective, whatever recovery that turns out to be. So thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.